Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. It is almost Christmas time, and Home Alone is by far the best Christmas movie of all time. You elf lovers, you don't know what's up. Home Alone is where it's at. Today, I want to talk about fear. I want to talk about fear tonight. We just got through Halloween. Thank goodness. I hate Halloween. Not for, I went trick-or-treating, like I like the candy part, but I hate getting scared. I hate, people put like tombstones in the front lawn. That's not cool, man. That's weird. Anyway, so I hate getting scared, and slowly but surely, our senior highs are learning this. And so on Tuesday nights, as I'm turning off all the lights, where's Quinn Walker? Quinn Walker. I'm calling you out, man. Quinn Walker frequently makes me need a new pair of shorts. It's horrible. It is the worst. And I hate getting scared. But I want to talk about fear. I want to talk about how fear can be the limiting factor in our relationship with Jesus this morning. But just before we get into that, we're going to do a quick quiz. So I want to see with you and your table, top 10 phobias that people have. Top 10 phobias. But just very quick, public speaking is not on the list. Honorable mention, not on the list. Go for it. All right, here we go. Top 10 phobias people have today. All right, number 10 is the dentist. The dentist. People are scared of the dentist. Number nine is big dogs, not Yorkies. Big, huge, scary dogs. Not your poodle. They're not scared of that. Number eight, flying. People hate flying. Number seven, thunder and lightning. Number six, this is mine. People are scared of the dark. They're scared of the dark. Number five, people are scared of heights. Number four, they're scared of other people. Number three, they're scared of small spaces, being trapped in small spaces. Number two is creepy crawlies, so like bugs and spiders. We're going to group them all in as one. And the number one fear, who thinks they got it? Indiana Jones is scared of these things. Snakes. Number one is snakes. All right. So who got at least six out of ten? Six out of ten? Seven out of ten. Ooh, significant drop off. Eight out of ten. These two, 9 out of 10? Oh, oh, 10 out of 10. 9 out of 10. All right, give it up for our two scaredest tables in the building. Well done. Approach them with caution. They're very jumpy people, so just make sure. Fear is a crazy thing. Fear makes us do wild and wonderful things that maybe are not in our personality. If you've ever had to give a presentation at work and you hate talking in front of people, you usually get like the shakes or you get the dry mouth going or your mind's running a mile a minute or you start to sweat. It's just horrible. Who's ever been on a first date? Well, hopefully everybody's been on a first date. (laughs) Hopefully, although maybe not. Carlo. No, I'm just kidding. But first date. I remember my first date. This is what I looked like when I was 15. My first date. (laughs) What a hottie. I have no idea why she went out with me. It's horrible. But that's that seashell necklace, I know I look the same. I just have less hair. That's the problem. But I remember my first date, and I wasn't allowed to be dating yet, so it was a big secret. Ooh, you know, it had to be 16, but I was 15. I was breaking all the rules. And so 
I went to the movies with this girl, and I was terrified. Like, absolutely, Carlos, stop taking a picture of that slide. I was absolutely <laughs> terrified, losing my mind, so scared, so nervous. And I remember, I don't remember what movie we were watching. I just kept mentally processing, like, do I hold her hand? Like, do I not hold her hand? Or when do I hold her hand? Do I wait for halfway through? I just could not get it in my mind. So I got, like, nervous. I got the shakes, and... I started sweating, like, horribly. I used to spike my hair up like that, and it was, like, sitting flat on my head, like, <laughs> like this. It was real bad. And so we were about half of the movie, and I'm like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to hold her hand. It's going to be awesome. But at this point, like, my head is sweating. My hands are, like, like it's, like, super gross and sweaty. And so I'm like, I'm going to go for it. But I, I'm sort of psyching myself out. Do you go with this hand holding, or do you get serious and go with, with this guy? And so I was like, oh, you know, I'm just going to go for it. And so I grab her hand, and it literally made, like, a noise. Like, it was, like, <laughs> liquidy and squishy. And I was like, yeah, like, celebrating huge. It was amazing. And she was probably like, what is wrong with this dude's hand? Like, it's dripping. But I was like, I can't let go now. I committed. Horrible. Fear has a way of sidetracking us. It has a way of getting in our heads. And fear is often telling you that you can't do something. You cannot accomplish something. And so with your table, I want you to ask the question, what is something that you've always wanted to try, but you were just too scared to do it? If you're in a road, turn around, talk to people behind you. Something you've always wanted to try, you're just too scared to actually do it. Go for it. We all have things on our fear bucket list, so to speak. I've always wanted to go skydiving. There is no way I can rationalize jumping out of an airplane. And Jason just mocks me for it because he finally, in a moment of his weakness, got the courage to do it, and I just cannot do it. It's horrible. Maybe it's a big thing. Maybe it's just a small thing like driving with Carlo. That's a terrifying experience as well. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Under the bus. But we all have things on our fear bucket list. There's a motivational speaker in the U.S. His name is Les Brown. I don't know much about him, but I do know he said this awesome quote. Too many of us are not living our dreams because we're busy living our fears. And so I want to modify that statement a little bit today for what we're talking about today to say too many of us are not living our God-given dreams because we're too busy living our fears. And that was not Les Brown. That was me. I think it's an awesome quote, and unfortunately, too many times in my life that fear seems to step in and actually stop me from living maybe how God has called me or what he's asking me to do with my life. What are the dreams and the future and the plans that God has maybe spoken over your life that might be a little bit intimidating? Maybe they make you a little bit fearful. Maybe they make you a little bit uncomfortable. Or maybe it's a deeper, a depth of relationship with Jesus that maybe is a little bit unsettling. Maybe the fear of the unknown and where God is going to lead us or maybe not knowing all the answers to life's biggest questions is often the thing that holds us back from going deeper with Jesus. But fear will creep in and tell us we can't. Fear has a way of planting itself in our lives and it has a way of lingering in our lives. Google defines fear like this, an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or threat. And more often than not, we all will fall back on the path of least resistance a lot of the time. We feel like maybe it's something intimidating. It's just easier to take the easy road. But I want to ask you the question, what about faith is scary? What about your faith is intimidating to you? What is it about the relationship with Jesus that you do have or that you are considering having that maybe is intimidating? What about faith is a little bit unsettling? I think it's okay for faith to be a little bit scary, to be a little bit unsettling. I think the nature of a relationship with Jesus is motion. 
that when God called us to come and to be his disciples, when he came and called his first disciples, he didn't say, come follow me and stay where you are, but he actually invited them to come and leave where they were and go somewhere new. And so the very nature of our relationship with Jesus is Jesus finding us in one place and leading us somewhere else, which is sometimes intimidating and sometimes be scary. A, one, a great mentor in my life once said to me a very simple little saying. He said, another level, another devil, which quite simply means this, that as God moves us and as he grows us and as he pushes us forward, we're always going to find things to be scared about. There's always going to be something, a new intimidation level. The things that I struggled with years ago are not the things that I struggle with now, but again, there are still fears in my life where God is leading me that will be new things. And when I overcome them, I'm sure Jesus will begin to lead me in other areas that might be a little bit uncomfortable in how he wants to use me or where he wants to place me. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think that means that God is leading us somewhere new. He's leading us somewhere new. He is growing us and he is stretching us. We have junior high on Wednesday nights. It is one of my favorite times of the week because it's just smelly and fun. And the junior highs, we ask the junior highs, okay, you want to raise your hands in worship? And you'd think you're asking them to jump out of an airplane. Like, it is a terrifying experience because it all starts with like the half hand raise down, down below. And you're like, oh, good job. And they're like, well, maybe I'll go to the side raise. And like, I understand why they don't want to go all the way up because they smell. But they get their hands halfway up, and it is a big moment. It is like fear, like looking around, like, oh, my gosh, I'm doing it. And it's a joke. It's fun to laugh at, but a lot of us can treat it the same way and saying, you know what? It takes maybe a few steps to get over our fears. But anytime we're trying something new or anytime we feel like God is using us in a new way, it can certainly be intimidating. And so where is God leading you? Maybe God's calling you to be the next Jason Small. You're going to go plant a church somewhere. You're going to lead hundreds of people, and you can preach the gospel. It'll be amazing. Or maybe it's something more simple of just praying for someone, praying out loud. Ooh. Like maybe it's something just so simple that can be so intimidating sometimes. Where is God leading you? And so this morning, I want to look at Luke chapter 22. If you have your Bible, Luke chapter 22, I have it on the screen, but if you can get the paper copy, that is much better. Luke chapter 22, I'm going to be reading out of the message, so it might be a little bit different. MSG is message, not what you find in Chinese food. So you can, <laughs> Luke chapter 22, you can follow along, be awesome. Arresting Jesus, they marched him off and took him into the house of the chief priest. Peter followed, but at a safe distance. In the middle of the courtyard, some people had started a fire and were sitting around it, trying to keep warm. One of the serving maids sitting at the fire noticed him and then took a second look and said, hey, that man is with Jesus. And he denied it. Woman, I didn't even know him. A short time later, someone else noticed him and said, no, 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 Peter, you are one of them. But he denied it, saying, man, I am not one of those followers of Jesus. About an hour later, someone else spoke up and really out of this time saying, that guy just looks like someone who follows Jesus. He's got Galilean written all over him. And yet Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. At that very moment, the last word hardly off his lips, the rooster crowed. Just then, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And it says he went out and cried and cried and cried. Or another translation says he was filled with deep sorrow, deep sorrow. I'm incredibly thankful for the life of Peter because Peter is someone who walked and talked with Jesus. He hung out with Jesus. They played video games together. Maybe not video games, but they, they did life with each other. And yet Peter always seems to find a way to mess it up. 
And he had front row seats to Jesus, and he still messes up on a regular basis. He's my saving grace. When I think I'm having a bad day, I'm like, well, at least I didn't deny Jesus. That's a pretty bad one. And Peter's our saving grace. Peter is very emotionally driven. When Peter's high up and he's doing good, he's doing really good. And when he's low, he's really low. Just a few chapters before, Peter speaks up, and he's, he's riding the high emotion wave. And he's like, Jesus, I would die with you. And just a few chapters later, an embarrassingly short amount of chapters later, Peter finds himself denying that he even knows who Jesus is, doesn't even want to be associated with him. And so in this moment, we arguably find Peter at one of the lowest points in his faith relationship with Jesus where he's disowning his savior and his mentor, his friend that he spent years with. And why? Is it because Peter didn't love Jesus? No, I don't think so. Is it because he didn't believe in Jesus? He would have seen all the amazing things that Jesus has done. He knows that Jesus is who he is. Is it because he didn't believe in him? No. Simply, I think it's just because Peter was scared. He just got scared. And today I want to start off simply saying this. I think it's actually okay to be scared and intimidated every once in a while. Because it means that Jesus is leading us somewhere new. Or maybe we're facing a new challenge. It's okay to be intimidated by faith, I think. It's okay to not feel like we have it all figured out. It doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. I don't even think it means you don't even have faith. But when our fear actually becomes the limiting factor in how deep of a relationship and how God's going to use us, that becomes a problem for our life. See, Peter, Peter missed an opportunity. He missed an opportunity. A time when arguably Jesus probably needed him the most, Peter was just too scared to step up to the plate. He was too scared to take the opportunity. And so if you get scared every once in a while, like I do, you're in good company. God eventually uses Peter, and he overcomes his fear, and Peter becomes one of the greatest leaders in the biggest movements on the face of the planet. So it has a happy ending. But I want to talk today about how we overcome our fear and where Jesus is leading us and the things he wants to use us in that might be a little bit intimidating. And so first of all, I want to talk about fear is not from God. Our fear is not from God. Our nervousness is not from God. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God does not give us fear and nerves, but instead God gives us a spirit, a heart, a soul, and a mind of power, love, and self-discipline. And as we ask for more of God, God does not give us anything else but power, love, and self-discipline. He wants to encourage us. He wants to push us through. He wants to see us through in the things that he's called us to. And so fear is nothing more but an obstacle to overcome, a distraction from where God is leading us in our life. And if we let it, fear will continue to be a distraction in our life. But our fear is not from God. And so ask yourself the question, when's the last opportunity that God had given you to do something that maybe was outside of your comfort zone? Maybe a moment where God said, hey, I, I, I could use you here. And we were like, oh, I can't, not me. I can't do that one. I'm just too nervous, too scared. One of the, I'd got, now I play on worship teams all the time. One of the first times ever at Bible college, they had someone to have to go lead a worship team somewhere. And I was so nervous, so, so, so nervous, and so, so, so scared. And they tricked me into it. Who's ever been to the booming metropolis of Havelock, Ontario? <laughs> The entire town of Havelock has like three people in it, and the church had 15, so they're doing really good by the standards, <laughs> doing amazing. And so we ended up going to this church in Havelock, and these 15 gracious, God-graciousness people had to watch our team nervously be like, okay, welcome to church, Bring! like it was horrible, and they're like, oh, that was so good. You're like, no, it wasn't. 
And I remember having to get up there and you get the shakes and the dry mouth. And you're like, all right, God, this is new and it's slightly, incredibly terrifying. And yet I'm going to do it anyway. And that God actually wants to give you opportunities where, yeah, it might be nerve-wracking at first. It might be uncomfortable at first. But maybe he wants to use you and develop something in you, something new. I look back at that moment and it was horrible. I was, just, I was afraid. But I'm thankful for the growth moments when God actually pushed me beyond my fear to learn how to do something new for him or to be used in a new way. It's okay to be afraid, but don't let your fear rob you of the opportunity that God wants to give you to grow and stretch and be used in a way that maybe you thought was not possible. God is actually in the business of doing amazing things with our life. I think God is in the business of taking ordinary things and making them extraordinary, taking the little that we have and making it the lot that we need. We see in the story of Moses that, Jesus ha- that Moses has this staff, a simple stick, it's just a stick, and God uses this simple stick to, he turns it into a snake, which is crazy. That's unbelievable. Or later he used it to part the Red Sea, ordinary things, doing extraordinary things. In the story of Joseph, Joseph is given this gift to interpret dreams, and he could have kept it to himself, and yet he gives it to God, and God takes an ordinary thing and uses it for extraordinary things when Joseph is elevated to the point where he's leading a nation because he was willing to get over his fear and speak up and use the gift that God had given him. In the New Testament, we read the story of feeding the 5,000. That story starts with a very ordinary boy taking a very ordinary lunch of fish and chips and giving it to God so God can do extraordinary things with it. A little bit closer to home, we have, we have a student at youth who plays bass, and he did not always play bass. But about a year and a half ago, he's like, oh, man, I just want to help out. I just want to serve. What can I do? And he's like, well, it's like you, we really need a bass player. And so he's like, okay, I'll learn. And I was like, awesome. That sounds great. And so he started learning, and he, we we're like, all right, we're going to put you on the stage. And he's like, okay, I don't want to be on the stage. I'm like, what, are you going to stand in the closet and plug it in and, like, play the paint? He's like, he's like, well, like, I just want to be. So we get up on the stage, and he's nervous, and he's slowly growing and developing and getting pretty good. And, and so a year ago, where he was even scared to stand on stage at youth, now we're going next weekend, he's going to be playing for an entire rally of like 300 students. Amazing. It's going to be awesome. Taking ordinary things and God using it for extraordinary purpose. We do these prayer walks. Maybe you've heard of the prayer walks. They're on Saturday mornings once a month. The first prayer walk we ever did, we had this student named Caddy. She's in junior high. None of her family goes to church at all. Uh, and yet she comes, and so on Wednesday nights, so she was like, oh, a prayer walk. I should go to that, I guess. And so she showed up with a friend on a Saturday morning at 9 in the morning. Next time you feel bad not going to the prayer walk, our junior high is going to the prayer walks, which is awesome. So you should come. But uh, so she shows up and with her friend early in the morning, and they're just like ready to go. They're like, we're going to go pray for people. We're like, that's awesome. And so we go for this prayer walk, and we go down, we go to the townhomes behind Highway 5, and we're walking by nail salons and hair salons. She's like, dear God, pray for the hair salon. It's awesome. Amen. All right, we're going to keep going. And like, dear God, thanks for apple fritters. Amen. And like, just keep going. Simple, simple prayers, but awesome. Just getting practice. And so we're walking by this house, and it's a townhome, and it's a family moving in. It's Saturday morning, and they're unloading a bunch of stuff into this townhome. And she's like, well, can we pray for that new family? And I was like, totally. Let's go for it. And so I thought she was going to be like, dear God, pray for those people, amen, and then just keep going like all the other ones. But she then turns and starts beelining it for their house. And I was like, where the heck is she going? <laughs> like, what are you going to do? It's kind of nerve-wracking. And she knocks on the front door of the old man. She's like, hello, we're here to pray for you. And I was like, 
bad youth pastor moment. I was like, what are you doing? I was like freaking out, to be honest with you. But she was like, oh, we're here to pray for you. And they're like, okay, <laughs> who are you? And so I go, we're from the church. We just want to pray for you. And quite simply, she's like, dear God, we want to bless these people. Welcome to Waterdown. Amen. And they were like, oh, that's awesome. Thanks so much. And we just turned around and we left. And she was like, that was great. Let's do another one. I was like, oh, my goodness. It was a little bit nerve-wracking. But all she had to offer was a simple, ordinary prayer. And then when she got over her fear of maybe going up to someone and asking to pray for them, God actually thinks he used it for an extraordinary thing. That family got to have a junior high student tell them about Jesus in the front hall of their own brand-new house. That's an awesome thing. Ordinary things God used for extraordinary purpose. If we can just get past our fears. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. It is not the absence of fear, but something more important. In the moment when Caddy's just beelining for the house, I'm sure there's a little bit of nerves, but in her 11-year-old mind, there was something more important than being intimidated than knocking at someone's front door, that she was going to go pray for these people. And that was more important than the nerves of maybe being a little bit uncomfortable. I used to think of courage as this magical thing that God was going to give me, and all of a sudden, I'd no longer be afraid, and I could do anything. But in reality, courage is more often making the decision that something is more important than being afraid. Something is more important than letting it get to you. And if we want to overcome our fear, we need to value following Jesus over the fearing. Value following over fearing. The basis of courage in our relationship with Jesus is the decision that to value following him over the fears of what might happen where he leads us. Peter's failure is not lacking faith. I don't think Peter lacked faith, but rather a lapse of judgment that something was more important in that moment, that he let his fear get ahead of his following. And when we value following over feeling, we actually push ourselves forward through things that might be intimidating. I have found in my life, kind of like Peter, I can be an emotionally driven person. You can hear like a motivational speech, and I'm like, let's change the world. <laughs> it's like, it gets me really quick. And so when I get scared and nervous about things, it often takes a breaking point for me to push myself into a situation that might be a little bit nerve-wracking. These past few, two weeks ago, I had this opportunity, and I said yes to it at first. You ever said yes to something, and as soon as you said yes, you were like, Oh my gosh, what did I just do to myself? <laughs> I got a chance to go speak at a fundraising dinner, and I don't necessarily get nervous talking in front of people, but for some reason, I don't know, I can't, I think it's because I was asking for money, which is slightly terrifying. They invited me to come speak at like this fancy, nice dinner, and I was like, I am not fancy or nice, and I don't eat dinner, so I don't know what I'm going to do. But they said, can you come and, and talk about your experience as a Bible college student. It was for the school that I used to go to, Mass College and Seminary, and they're raising money to help support the school. And so on the phone, I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And then I hung up in my office, and our co-op student, Hannah, was there, and I hung up, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what did I just do? And I was freaking out. And I don't normally get nervous, but I was really, really nervous. Hannah was making fun of me horribly because I was writing my speech in my office being like, that's crap, and just deleting the whole thing and like having to say it was horrible. And so I get to this, this church. It was at a church, and, and it's like all done up fancy, and there's people in like very nice clothes, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is going to be terrifying. And you're asking people for money, which is super uncomfortable. And so I get up to the front, and I'm so nervous. And my dad was there, which was awesome. And he's like, come on, we're going to go pray. And I was like, oh, thank 
goodness. And so he prayed with me, and he actually spoke that 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, that God does not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And so he prayed over me, and to be honest with you, in the moment, God did not download courage into my brain, and I was no longer afraid. That would have been amazing. That would have been the greatest thing. Why didn't you do that? But instead, it just helped refocus my heart and my attention that maybe there's something more important than being afraid in this moment, that maybe God's given me an opportunity to grow me and stretch me and to try something new, and maybe being scared is not the best option at the moment. And so nervously, yeah, I got up there, and you do your thing, and you're freaking out, and it's like the dating Scott, like, (laughs) nervousness moment, not good moment. And yet once I came down, I was like, oh, that was not that bad, actually. Let me go back up. They're like, please, please don't come back up. (laughs) But when we push past our fear that God actually stretches us and grows us, when we're scared, we need more of Jesus. In the moments when we get nervous, we need more of Jesus, more of that spirit. Ask him. Call on him. Jesus, I need more of you. It may not be an instant download of, oh, now I'm just no longer afraid, but maybe it's the focusing of our heart and our mind that something is more important than being scared in that moment. If we want more boldness, ask Jesus. If we want to overcome, ask Jesus. When we overcome fear, we are elevated in influence and ability and that God pushes us beyond our regular means. Every year we take our junior highs to Wonderland, which is awesome. I have the best job in the world. It's amazing. And we take them to Wonderland, and every single year, for some reason, there's junior highs that come that hate going on roller coasters. And I'm like, Wonderland is the worst place for you if you hate going on roller coasters. And yet every year they show up, and they're like, we just wanted to hang out. And so this past summer, we had the junior high adventure camp. We had a student come. He's like, I just wanted to come. I hate roller coasters. And I'm like, you're going on a roller coaster. And he was like, there's no way I'm getting on a roller coaster. And so I literally picked him up over my shoulder, and we ran to the nearest roller coaster, and he was losing his mind. It was awesome. And so we get him. It's it's just a roller coaster. He'll be all right. So we run to the front of the line, and we we get up to the front, and he is losing his mind. And we put him in the seat, and once the lap bar is down, I was like, there's no escape. He's in. And so I get him beside him, and I was like, this is going to be great. And he's like, this is not going to be great. I was like, you're going to love it. Trust me. He's like, no, I hate you. (laughs) I'm I'm leaving the church. No, he was losing his mind. And so the roller coaster starts, and you go around the corner, and the first thing is like the, if you're scared, it's like tick, 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 climbing the roller coaster slowly but surely. And it was a small one. It's called Dragonfire at Wonderland. It's, got, it's like the tiniest roller coaster ever. And so it's like tick, 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 tick. <laughs> and he's losing his cool, absolutely losing his cool. And so we get over the top, and we go over the top hill, and it just goes whoosh, and he goes hands up, screaming, losing his mind. He goes, the first loop, screaming, ah, the whole time, through the course, through all the way back, and he goes, the big stop, and he goes, that was amazing. That was the greatest thing ever. I was like, I told you it was going to be awesome. He's like, let's do it again. I was like, if you like that one, we got to try a bigger one. And he was like, nope, there is no way. I know the last one went well, but I'm not going to try the bigger one. And so we get him on the, the wild beast, is that what it's called? Like the wooden, crickety, not safe one. I was like, you're going to love it. And he's like, it's going to catch on fire. It's going to fall apart. I hate this thing. And so we get him in the seat, and he's losing his mind. And tick, 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 over the hill. Ah, screaming, losing his mind. Gets to the end, and that was the greatest thing I've ever done. And so over the course of the day, we keep trying to get him on bigger roller coasters. It's the exact same conversation every single time. 
And so it was about 9 o'clock, and the park closed at 10. I was like, you got to try the last roller coaster. It is called the Behemoth. It is huge. It is awesome. You're going to love it. And he was like, there is no way. To the point where he's like shaking a little bit. He was like super nervous. He was like, I can't do it. I was like, look at all the other awesome ones. Look at how awesome all the other ones were. This one is even the best. This is the best one. He's like, there's no way. And so once again, you pick him up and you put him on your shoulder. And we're standing in the line. He's like, please put me down. I'm like, no. And so we get him, get him up to the front and we strap him in. And the behemoth is the worst because it's like 300 feet tall. So if you thought the tick, tick, tick of the 50-foot tall one was bad, this is like long. And so he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to puke. My mom's going to kill me. Like, he's like, don't come to my funeral. I was like, oh. So we were going up the thing, and he's so, so, so nervous. I actually thought he was going to be sick, which is bad. But it all worked out okay. Thank you, Jesus. So we get him to the top, and just as we're going over, I'm like, this one's horrible. And he's like, what? What? way down the thing and he's freaking out and he do the loop and he's spinning around we get to the very end and it stops he goes and I'm waiting for the that was awesome and he says nothing and I'm like oh I'm so fired Jason's gonna kill me I was like this is horrible and he looks at me he's like that was the greatest thing ever and like the people behind us are like yeah like cheering him on it was an amazing moment it was so good and it's funny to laugh at person unnamed student but Sometimes that's how we treat the things of God. God says, hey, I want to take you on this adventure. This, and we're like, I could never do that. That is too terrifying. It's too scary. And it's just maybe this small little journey God wants to take us on. And so we get on and we're nervous. And it's the tick, tick, tick. God, I don't think I can do it. And if we experience it. And maybe it's nerve wracking. But we get to the end and we're like, that was awesome. God, that was awesome. He goes, you like that one. Forget that. I want to push you forward into newer, greater, greater things. We go, God, there's no way I could do that. And so once again, the tick, tick, tick of, oh, I don't think I can do it. Ah, God, you're awesome. And God is leading us on these series of opportunities and adventures where maybe it gets bigger and bigger and God is expanding and growing how he wants to use you and it's intimidating. But don't let your fear stop you from experiencing something great and awesome. If he had ever just been okay with dragon fire, he would have missed out on behemoth. That is the best and so what are the things that God is pushing you towards that we need to take head on? The experiences and opportunities that God has wanted to give you and use you. The adventure that he calls you on. That next roller coaster, that next experience. I want to challenge you that if you let your fear and the fear of the unknown stop you from going deeper in your faith, you will only ever really stay on the dragon fire when there is bigger things for you. There are greater things for you, that God will maybe use you in ways that you didn't anticipate. This, this year alone, I get to go with Carlo, and we get to go lead worship places, and it's tons of fun. As of right now, we're doing six camps this year, like, like the year from now. Amazing. If you had told me that in that Havelock church of 15 people who graciously were like, you're horrible, like, I would have said, you're crazy. And yet when God expands you and uses you in new ways, he actually elevates you in influence and ability. Because you're willing to say yes. And you're willing to get over the fear and the, the nervousness of maybe trying something new. And so I want to encourage you this morning and ask you, what about your faith scares you? Maybe it's, how do I get my kids engaged in faith? Not one week goes by that I do not talk to a parent who is nervous and scared about, how do I get my kids to love Jesus? How do I get them to love Jesus more? How, how do I lead my family in X, Y, Z, whatever it is? 
Maybe it's being Jesus and, and being a witness at your workplace. Oh, man, I don't know if I could do it. It's nerve-wracking. Like, what? Or maybe it's just something simple as, oh, maybe I feel like God, what if I prayed for someone? What if I raised my hands in worship? What if I pressed in and entered in? Where is God leading you? What is the fear that you face in our faith? I'm going to invite Carlo to come back. I just want to pray for us this morning that maybe there's something in your life that you're facing that maybe is a little bit intimidating. And I just want everybody to close your eyes. We do this at youth all the time. It's not for, we're not going to call you out or make you do anything weird. It's just for privacy. If everybody just closed their eyes. And I'm just going to ask people to raise their hand. And if, and if you're facing something today and you're like, man, you know what? There's a fear in my life that I need to get past, that God is maybe calling me deeper, or I feel an opportunity in my life that's intimidating that I think God has given me, and I just need to face it just with everybody's eyes closed. If you just raise your hand, I just want to pray with you today. Awesome. 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 Lots of hands. Awesome. Awesome. Just a few more seconds. Awesome. So good. Jesus, we thank you this morning for the opportunity that we have to be used by you. That, God, you're in the business of taking our ordinary and making it extraordinary. If we would just have the courage to follow where you lead us, God to value following you over fearing whatever it is the consequences might be, that, God, that we're going to trust you, that we're going to lean in on you, and that, God, you're going to use us to do crazy, awesome things. God, we are so thankful that you are willing to use the likes of us, God, to further your kingdom, that, God, you, you love us and you see us for who we can be, not who we are. And so, God, I pray that you speak clearly to us about where you are leading us, how you want to use us, and where you are guiding us this morning. God, for everybody who raised their hand, God, we pray for an extra dose of that spirit of power and love and self-discipline that, God, we can do it with you. That, God, there's no roller coaster and no adventure too scary that you will not take us on. You will not be with us every step of the way. So, God, we look forward to the stories of people being used by you and changing their world and changing their community and changing their workplace and their neighborhood because we were willing to step out of our comfort zone and face the fear and follow you. And so, Jesus, we thank you today. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would like prayer this morning, we would love to pray with you. Otherwise, you are free to go this morning. Make sure you say hi to someone you don't know. There's lots of new faces. Get to know someone's name, and we will see you guys next week. There's breakfast served upstairs, and prayer will be up here at the front. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.